0: Well, let's get right into His Word. I want you to open with me in your Bibles or look to the screen to the book of Genesis. I want you to look at the book of Genesis chapter 7, and I didn't know last week that I was going to be preaching about this again. It was not in my plan, actually, even two weeks ago. I thought I was going to talk about the rest of the Lord for the week, and that was it. And then uh, the Lord had the rest to say Uh, last week and this week. He still had more to say. So let's let him tell us the rest today. Uh, Just thank you, Lord Jesus. We glorify you, Jesus. Just glorify you. You stand here, Lord, and you speak in your name. Amen. And I just want you to look in Genesis chapter 7. We've been uh, talking about that place of rest that we must get into. And and I went uh, such a different direction not only did I not plan on preaching it, but also just remembering this right now, I didn't plan on preaching it the way I did either. And uh, I was going to mention how it said we need to strive to get into that place of rest. And it became really the focus of the last two weeks. And I think it's so important. I, I realize why the Lord did that because it is such a conscious effort that we must make, especially in this time to be diligent in the things of the Lord. Even in things like rest, where in our human language, in the American English language, rest, you know, means doing nothing, you know, doing very little, right? But the place of rest in the Spirit of God, in God, is actually, uh, uh, I hate to kind of sound new agey. It's not. It's the word, whatever. If it sounds like it, it's because they stole it from God, but it's a state of being, all right? It's a way you live. There's just a peace that you carry within you. There's a stability that you have within your nature. Does that make sense? All right, there's a rest that you must carry, and, and the Bible says that the Lord, uh, he made the earth, he made the heavens, and He made you and I, and then He rested from His labors. And so God is at rest, and yet He has a plan and a purpose. And I mentioned last week or the week before that aren't we thankful that while God's at rest, He hasn't forgotten to be diligent about being God, right? I mean, when we pray, we're, we're thankful that he's quick to answer. And if it wasn't quick, we're thankful that our prayer was logged in heaven and that it, the answer is coming, aren't we? So, that, so the Lord is in a place of rest, and yet he is not lazy. Not that we could ever, I mean, he's God, okay? I don't want to take any deity away from him. He's God. I want to give that to him. He's God, and he needs to be called God. But he's, he's not asking us to do or be anything that he's not. He's very conscious of us, and the the Bible says that even Jesus is praying for us. Even in heaven, even post the cross, Jesus is pleading for us. So in a place of rest, God is active. Everybody say, in a place of rest, God is active. Okay, so his rest is, there's no labor Alright, he doesn't have to try to make something. He already made it. He already did it. It's already accomplished. Say, it's accomplished. Uh, Jesus says, it is finished. Alright, but there's a working out, a walking out. God wins in the end, okay? In case you haven't realized that yet, he wins. His word is clear that God wins. God is going to win every single battle. Now, The devil takes casualties along the way in those battles. We don't understand, and we need to give that to God and just let that be in God. That's part of the rest. But God wins, doesn't he? Every single time. Every single time God wins, doesn't he? And he has won in your life. He has won for your life. And he's going to win for all of creation, for for a new earth, a new heaven. God wins, and he's going to reestablish his throne Uh, in the time ahead. And we're just thankful that he has not forgotten us, that he has not abandoned us, that he has not forsaken us, that he loved us so much that he sent his only son who gave his life for us. So God is proactive in this place of rest. I mean, when he said he rested, he means he rested, okay? Period. God didn't come out of it. He's still in a place of rest. And that place of rest is I know who I am. I'm God. And devil, you can try to shake up my earth and you can try to get into their hearts. It's just not going to work. It might look like it's working for a time, but the blood of Jesus is just too powerful. The name of Jesus is just too powerful and God will have his way. Amen. We just thank you, Lord, for that. So these last two weeks, it was about that. It was just about... The, the diligence, because everything in this world tells you to live for yourself. Everything in this system, and in, in I'm, I'm, I live right here. I live in New York in the United States of America, so I'm going to talk to this country. I don't know how the rest of the world lives because I haven't been there. Visited a little bit here and there, but not enough to know really who they are. So let's just talk to us. In this culture, this is my culture, We have a system which is work hard for 65-ish years, plus or minus, and then hopefully you have established yourself well enough that then you can have vacation. You can retire. Now, God is not opposed to that system whatsoever. That's probably been around since the beginning of time, that you work hard for a season, and then your body just doesn't let you do it anymore. And the original system, and a lot of cultures still have this, is that the rest of the family helps those that are older, just like the older were helping the younger, right? That was the original design, and that's still God's design. Whether families do it or not, that was God's way. But we came up with this better way. I'll work really hard for myself, and then I can provide for myself Self, 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 self. So I don't have to rely on anybody or anything. It's not God's way. You know that. He's not opposed to a retirement plan or retirement, but it's this mentality you don't realize, but it's around you all the time. That mentality is around you. And so it causes us to strive in this world. We don't even realize still as believers with the hopes that one day I don't need to strive anymore. Now I can, I can be retired. And it's actually... See, the devil's a copycat, isn't he? The Bible says he comes as an angel of light. It's actually a copy of the real design. Everybody say, it's a copy of the real design. The real design is that there is X amount of time that you have on this earth that we must be diligent with, because it's quickly wisping away. And then... At the end of that time, everybody say at the, time. at the end of that time. and I don't know how much time that is. For Each of us has a different time. It's part of what I'm going to talk about today. At the end of that time, there is an eternal retirement with God forever and ever and ever. Call me crazy, but I'm going to cautiously say Google it. But don't go good for too long because I don't want anybody down any rabbit trails. The world is actually proactively right now in an attempt to take heaven and bring it to earth. Right now, they're already. They've been experimenting, they've been trying. There's names for it. I'm not even going to name them. I know them. Not even going to name them because I don't want anybody again down rabbit trails. It's not worth it unless you're ready to go down those trails and get you can get back out without getting sucked into darkness, and then you forget the gospel. But the world is proactively striving and trying, and there are things in place and things that they're doing to try to make life on this earth last a lot longer, whether that's crazy, calling me crazy, but you know, if I tried to show a cell phone to, to some of your older guys, Right? When you were kids, you would have thought that's from like 2200. <laughs> not, ju- not something you'd see in your lifetime, right? Like 200 years in the future, because like, it doesn't even make sense. I'm physically talking to someone face to face in real time. And that screen's gonna go away one day, and then we'll be like, when I was a kid, it was a screen. But they're proactively doing things, and I don't know if it's gonna be with just new bodies, you know, that they make, or some sort of artificial one, or digital, I don't know. And it doesn't really matter because we're not part of that thing, are we? And it could be part of the whole B system. It's the rebellion against God and his plan, which is already, that's the spirit that's already, that's in the whole world, but especially it's in this nation. There's a spirit of rebellion against God's way, against how God designed it, right? And his format. And that rebellion is just going to keep going until finally they're like, we don't even need heaven. Heaven's irrelevant. We'll just make heaven on this earth forever and ever. And who do you think's orchestrating that whole plan? Right? It's not just in people's hearts. Obviously, the devil's behind that thing, promising them to have their kingdom here. Right? That's what he's been trying to do. So, if we're not diligent about pushing back that system of this world and truly getting into a place where we rest in God, because it's going to get stranger and stranger to be trusting in God, right? We're already the weirdos. It wasn't that way, right? Come on, some of you older guys, when you were kids, right? Not everybody believed in God, but that was kind of a normal thing. God was normal. Churches on corners were normal. In your lifetime, could you ever imagine, right? It's just And you're not that old when I say older ones, but older than me. But when, when you guys are sitting here today and you look outside would you have imagined that to believe in god would have be thought weird it's like totally weird now you're the we're the weirdos we're the crazies we need to get into such a place of rest right now it is like detrimental 911 mode guys and i'd say that on purpose i'm saying that on purpose on 915 just days ago 9 we need to remember we need to remember we don't remember enough you know that do you know that uh our next election right our voting election right those going into the military today they were either just born or not alive when 9-11 happened all right just very quickly right we forget how quickly your lives right that was a physical thing that happened right to this nation and right here in new york and It came suddenly and changed lives forever. And yet this next generation, like we have to teach our children, we're telling them, we have to tell them because they don't know, they didn't experience it. How quickly though, it just, things get forgotten. If we don't grab a hold of God right now in such a serious way, a casual Christian will not make it. There's just going to be too many opportunities to get sucked away. We have to get so into him. And yet it's a complete and total trust in him. It's still, it's a resting in him. It's just, it, it, it it's not something I can even fully tell you in words. I'm gonna preach it in words as I'm doing, but it's bigger, it's greater than the words I'm saying. It's a it's really something that the Holy Spirit has to do in your heart. And all we need to do is ask him, Lord, I want to go into that place of rest. I'm willing. And the pattern's simple. It's through the blood of Jesus, through the repenting of sins, and we just need to keep just shedding off all the stuff, as it tells us, that weighs us down, right? We need to run that race and take off all the weights that weigh us down. So Genesis 7, back to Noah, the Lord, just, I'll just get, I want to get into this. It says, the Lord said to Noah in verse 1, Go into the boat with all your family. For among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. So he goes in it says, verse 5, Noah did everything as the Lord commanded him. All right, so he does what the Lord says, and, and uh, it says that they and the animals and so on. In verse 16, it says that they did just as he commanded them. Uh, they go into the ark, verse 16. And then it says that the Lord closed the door. Everybody say, the Lord Lord closed closed the the door. God provided a way. He made a way. The door is open. Jesus says, I'm the door. I'm the way. Jesus says, come through me. But Jesus also tells us that one day that door will be closed and people will come knocking and And it doesn't say this in the Bible, but you can imagine that when that door closed and it started to rain and they had never seen it before, you can imagine that there were some people coming around banging on that door. It says in Revelation 3, 8, it says, I've opened a door for you. He's talking about the churches and he says, no one can close it. When God opens doors, No one can shut it. And when God closes a door, no one can open it. You need to be in when he says to be in. We need to go in when he says to go in. And for the next minutes, that's really what I want to preach about. I really feel like I needed to just say what I've been saying again. So I apologize if that feels repetitive, but we all are like the rest of us. We need to hear things over and over again anyway. You probably don't remember what I said anyway, and I'm not offended by that. We were just joking about it. You leave church, right? We've all done this, and you are like, it was good. I don't remember what he said, but it was good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I just want to just I want to stay on this topic, but I want to transition a little bit into this. It's that, and this is really what I feel like the Lord put on my heart for today is that we need to be in sync with the Lord's timing. We need to know the season we're in. We need to know the time we're in with Him. Sometimes the Lord says, go in. Sometimes the Lord says, go out. Sometimes the Lord says, stop. Sometimes the Lord says, go. And we just, we have to be on the same page with God. We cannot get that idea from our surroundings, even church surroundings, the church culture. You cannot pull. You cannot take a poll from the church of the world and try to figure out what God's up to. You need to get into your word. You need to spend time with God. You need to let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart and let Him talk to you. He continues in Genesis chapter 8. Verse three, actually, let's go to verse one. Genesis chapter eight, verse one says, God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock with him in the boat. And he he sent a wind to blow across the earth and the floodwaters began to recede. Verse two, it says the underground water stopped flowing and the torrential rains from the sky were stopped. And so the floodwaters gradually receded from the earth after a hundred years. And 50 days. It says that exactly five months from the time of the flood began, the boat came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Two and a half months later, as the waters continued to go down, other mountain peaks became visible. Verse 6 says, after another 40... Everybody say, after, after another 40 days... You know, the Bible does not put down details for no reason. Whenever there's lots of details and you're just trying to get maybe a heart of what God's saying for the day, that's fine if you just read them and skim them. I don't think God's offended. I'm not offended. If you read those details and you're not concerned with them, every single time you read the story, the heart of the story was that God saved Noah and for us, right? Preserved humanity so that Jesus could come and so that we can have life, okay? That's the heart of the story. But he doesn't skip, he doesn't put down details for no reason. If you want to skip them because you've read the story a million times and you just are, you've got five minutes to read the story, so be it. But they're there for a reason. Everybody say they're there for a reason. There for a reason. Why does he tell us the time frame? Why? Why is it so important? 150 days, five months, two and a half months later, and then it says, after another 40 days. Why? What's the, why does he tell us this time frame? It's interesting because it says, after another 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the boat. When I was just reading this story, like I said, I was looking at Noah as just a place of rest, preparation for rest, the diligence of rest, because that's what we went into last week. And I read the whole story and I just really caught my attention these, these details right here, because it says that he opened the window he had made in the boat, and verse 7, he released a raven, and the bird flew back and forth until the floodwaters on the earth had dried up. Verse 8, he also released a dove to see if the water had receded, and it could Uh, find dry ground but the dove could find no place to land because the water still covered the ground what are we getting here is anybody picking up the possibility that noah's getting a little antsy being cooped up with his family and all those stinky noisy animals It says that the dove could find no place, so it returned to the boat, verse 9, right? And it says, and Noah held out his hand and drew the dove back inside. And it says, verse 10, after waiting another seven days, Noah released the dove again. This time, the dove returned to him in the evening with a fresh olive leaf in its beak. Then Noah knew that the floodwaters were almost gone. Verse 12, He waited another seven days and then released the dove again. It says, This time it did not come back. Now who right here would be like, Wow, thank you, God. That was quite a trial. It was 120 years since you spoke to me about this ark. 120 years. So he's not just getting antsy because he's been in the boat. This is a 120-year journey in the making, and he's ready to live his life, ready to get back out there and live. Now, he might have felt like he wasn't living in this time because he was so focused on doing what the Lord asked him to do. And it says that he was 601 years old, on the first day of the new year and ten and a half months after the flood began, the floodwaters had almost dried up from the earth, almost. Noah lifted back the covering of the boat and saw that the surface of the ground was drying. Now, this is significant. He's been sending out signals, asking the Lord, right? Who does this in your life? You're in a place in God. You ask God and he puts you in a place takes you out of a place, puts you in a place, right? Who's been in and out of places in your life? don't necessarily understand them, but there are seasons in our life, right? We've done what we need to do to prepare. It's not just a, we need to get into a lifetime, right? A, A spirit of rest, but there's also places, right? There are mountaintops and there's valleys low, right? There's times of running and there's times of sitting, So I don't want to take any of that away, and I want to say a disclosure again. I'm not taking away your retirement that you are either in or is coming. That's not my point. It's just the mentality, right? So there's going to be, there's a natural course of things, and then there's a spiritual course of things. You know that this is not it. It's not this earth. It's in heaven, right? That that's your true rest. It's in Christ in heaven, and Christ is in us. So we're going to get into that place with him, but... Sometimes in this earth, it means go, go, go. Sometimes it means stop, stop, stop. And so he's here and he's, he's kind of fleecing the world, fleecing the Lord, and he's sending things out into the world, right? Sending out <laughs> trackers. You know, is it time? Is it time? Is it time? Is it time? So this is very interesting because in verse 13, It says that he lifted back the covering of the boat and saw that the surface of the ground was drying. Who would have opened the door and gone right out, right then and there? Tony. And Adam, sorry. I'm going to include myself in there. It's dry. We're good to go. It says, verse 14, two more months went by. Now, you have to figure, these two months probably felt like 20 more years. Who's been in a trial for a week and it felt like your life just lost about five years off the, off the end? Who's been in a trial for two months, right, after you've already been in it for month after month after month? When Dawn and I were trying to buy Our house, well, actually, we already signed everything, pretty much. I mean, we're just trying to close on this thing. Technically, it's not bought, but it's bought. Your heart's set. We've got boxes packed. And it was another month to finally, like, from the date they told us to the date we actually closed. And I'm telling you, I don't know why it's so much pressure, but that month was like hell on earth. One month says, two more months went by, and at last the earth was dry. I think it's interesting because just like I preached on last week, God didn't have to use water. He didn't have to take Noah and make him build a boat and make him sail around for a year. He could have just taken Noah, brought him up to heaven for some time, just flashbang the earth or re-speak it into existence again. I mean, God could have done an, a, a, an, a innumerable different plans or purposes to try to you know, remake the earth. I don't know. I'm not even going to try to scenarioize, but this is the way he does it, and he includes us. It's always including us. He always wants it to be something that we're going through with him, doesn't he? It builds the character, builds the trust, it builds that endurance with him, it builds that steadfast with him, with him, doesn't it? Every time we go through something with him, by making us go through it with him, we come to appreciate who he is, we see his promise, and we actually appreciate his promise much more, don't we, than if he just gave it to us. Because we feel like we are a part of it. We had something to do with it. Even though it was all him, Noah didn't make it rain and Noah didn't kill anybody. He just did what God told him to do. God cleansed the earth and Noah came back out on the other side because he was obedient. And in verse 15, it says, then God said to Noah, I think that's funny that that's all that verse says. But it's because it's so important. When the guy's... I don't know, 1,600 years ago, 1,700 years ago, whenever they put these numbers here. When they decided to do that, they thought it was important to just say that. God spoke to Noah. And I think that's significant because, remember, who closed the door behind him? Noah did everything God told him to do. Noah was diligent, right? We have to be diligent about it. Noah had done everything. He prepared the way he was supposed to. He told him, go in. He he went in. And then did Noah close the door? Noah didn't set the time. The time was set by God. Noah didn't make it rain. God made it rain. Noah just did what God told him to do, and he was obedient to do it. And God closed the door. And so on the other side, as he's coming back out, he waited for God to speak to him. He sent out, he was hoping, maybe today's, day, maybe today's the day, maybe today's the day, maybe today's the day, maybe today's the day, maybe today. And finally, it says that God spoke to Noah. In verse 16, he says, leave the boat, leave the ark. You can get off the ark now. Not only do we need to be in a place where we just trust God we're completely abandoned to God. The situations are irrelevant. Circumstances are relevant, Trials are irrelevant. We just were at rest with Him. We completely trust Him. But one of the hardest things to do while you're on this earth is to wait on God. It is the. It's probably second to... Whatever that pulling is of your heart to this world, and we all have something, right? It's pulling, you know, the lure of the wealth of this world pulling at us. Second to, you know, the devil's, his his fishing line to your life, and there's something for everyone, right? It might be fear for your life, right? But there's a fishing line. So second to that, it's got to be second hardest thing for a Christian to do is waiting. Especially in this culture that we live in today. They don't wait for anything. I'm going to get what I want. I'm gonna get it as quick as possible and I don't care who gets in my way. And I think that God did it like this on purpose. Will you keep trusting in me? You came to a place of rest and you need to stay there. Now listen, if you leave this ark and you don't leave with the same heart that came in, come on, we need to stay in that place of rest. I need to, we got into the place of rest. Now listen, don't, let, don't open that door and go run in and do your own thing. It's got to be my way and in my time. Come on, right? Resting in God is in his timing. Resting in his timing. We need to be patient, which, right? The Bible says patience is a virtue. You are like patience, grinding our teeth is a virtue, If he had opened the door and went out too soon, they would have drowned. On the other side, once the Lord says, now go, if they waited too long, what would have happened, right? They would have started inhibiting the plan, right? First of all, they'd all get hungry really quick because there's no more food and start eating each other. And the plan for reestablishing the earth would be inhibited. So we must be right in sync with God and in his timing. He closes the door behind us in a season or a place in your life and you need to let him do that. You need to be diligent to get into that place of rest. And when he when he puts you in a place that you didn't even you don't even understand it. Noah didn't understand either. He just did what God asked him to do, but he got into that place that God asked him to get into. And many times as believers, we get into a place. Come on, when you first give a Bible to a new believer, they're like, so this is going to help. Why is this book going to help me? Why can't I just believe in Jesus in my heart? Why do I need a book? Why do I need to go to church? Everybody a Christian who doesn't read our Bible or go to church? They're not very Christian are they I'm not saying it's impossible I'm just saying I wouldn't advise it God has put parameters he's put a plan and he's put a purpose he he provides he makes a strategy he makes a way and then he seals you in if you will do what he's asked you to do he seals you in. he protects you it's for a reason there's there's a purpose to be inside his plan We need to get in his plan and stay in his plan until he says, okay, now I've got something else for you. And we don't get out early. Even we open the windows and we peer and we can see maybe there's something else on the horizon and there's hope ahead. And I'm starting to see hope. I'm starting starting to get a glimpse of my future. But don't go until the Lord tells you to go. Don't get ahead of God. The resting in God must be in a place where you just stick. You stay put until he says go. And I was thinking, this is not just Noah, but the Holy Spirit also did this with Paul. Remember when Paul arguing with the Holy Spirit, Lord, I, I, this is what I'm going to go do. I want to go to Asia. Holy Spirit says, No, I don't want you to go to Asia. He tries to do it again. It says it inhibited him several times, two or three times, the word says. And he restricts him and doesn't let him go. And then, if you know the story, Paul ends up getting on a boat because of the Holy Spirit doesn't let him go there. And he gets shipwrecked, and that, old, that you know, turn of events, right? And the snake bites his hand, and they've been out at sea for days and hadn't eaten for. And that was because the Holy Spirit says, Don't go to Asia. And now he's on the boat because of that. We need to just listen to the Holy Spirit. He's got a way, and he has a reason. I don't know why he does what he does. I don't know why he has timing like he has timing, but he has a timing for a reason, and we just stay put when he tells us to stay put. We go when he tells us to go as part of the rest it's, it's just as important as being diligent to do what he's asked us to do and establish that place, right? We, we, find, we find a place of rest by being diligent in his word, by being diligent to be around other believers. And that takes time that sometimes is annoying to your flesh. Then you actually end up loving it and craving it. You want to be around God's people. You want to be in his word. But in the beginning, right, there's some working. It feels like striving to your flesh, but it's not, is it? It's not striving. And we get into that place, and then the Lord says, "Now you got into that place. Now don't leave it. You don't can't just go off on your own. You can't just go do what you want to do. You need to stay in that place until I tell you you can go." And so the Bible also says that there was this time in um, that the Israelites rebelled against God. You remember the Israelites rebelling against God? You're like, which time? So they rebel against God, and, and this is it. This is the final blow. God says, I've been warning you, 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 and I've been warning you, and I really, really didn't want to do this, just like a good father to a child. I really don't want to spank you. Not that we do that anymore. That's, that's like archaic, but I'm just saying in general, in the sense that a parent would do that to a, person, to a, a child. You don't want to do that. But finally, he says, I have to. So I'm going to have a foreign nation come in. They're going to destroy this land. They're going to take you captive for 70 years. But I'm still God. I love you. And I'm going to bring back your children. I'll restore this land again. And I have to do it because I'm a just God. So this prophet comes in and he says, he says, the Lord did it, but he's done with that now. Tries to shortcut the process. And the Lord tells Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I need you to go speak a word because I just heard a prophecy that said that you can go, your time's up. My time's not up. Last time I checked, I'm God and I'm in charge. And I didn't, I didn't inspire that word. So he has a word from Jeremiah that says, you broke the yoke of wood, but now I'm going to put a yoke of iron around your neck. I'll tell you when you can go. I'm God. We need to be in a place where we trust in God no matter what. The Bible says that even though they were in Babylon, he says through Jeremiah the prophet, he says, I want you to build houses here. I want you to pray for this city. I want you to pray for this city. I want you to I want you to be in this place. It's foreign to you. You didn't want to be here. This is not where you're even supposed to be. But for this time, this is where I have you. And it doesn't really matter the turn of events of how you got there. That's irrelevant right now. What I'm talking to you about right now, God's saying to them, is this is where you're at, and I want you to embrace it. I want you to pray for this city, because if you will pray for this city, it'll be blessed. And you are in it. You're not leaving it. So you want this place to be blessed, because then you'll be blessed. And it was their protection. Another group of them tried to leave. They were like, you know what? We can bypass God. We can shortcut God. We'll go over to Egypt. Well, let's just look at history, how that worked out. Anyone know what Egypt looks like right now? There's still a city, but the place they were running to, uh, those are uh, monuments you go visit now. All right. God destroyed not only them, but the Egyptians that tried to help them. I mean, all gone, just wiped it out. because there's a protection and there's a preservation there's a covering in doing what he says how he says it when he says it come on amen and you don't leave that place until he says so you have to get into that place and you cannot leave that place until he says so god is god isn't he just a couple of quick verses, and then I'll close with this. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 17, it says, no one can discover everything God is doing. No one can discover everything God is doing. It says, not even the wisest people discover everything, no matter what they claim. I love how the NLT translates that. We're never going to fully understand God. It says in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, it says, for everything there is a season. It says, a time for every activity under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to harvest. There's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away. It says, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Yet God has made everything beautiful, verse 11, for its own time. He planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. God's timing, it's God's way. I love this, and maybe many of you do too. Psalm verse uh, chapter th- uh, 37, verse 23 says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. The New King James, or, you know, or one of the translations, you may know it as the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, right? Or the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. I love that because that means that he's, he's ordering our steps and we need to be in sync with him. We need to just let his steps be our steps, if you resist that you are resisting yourself you're like wait what because he has your best interest in mind he has his glory and his kingdom in mind and he has a plan and a purpose in mind and but he wants you to be part of that so if we will not stay in sync with him and in step with him you are making suffering for yourself And we don't want to do that, do we? We just want to be, we want to know that our steps are ordered, that they're placed for God. I was um, had this really interesting moment with God. I pulled up to a customer's house some months ago, and I pulled in the driveway, and it was just so clear as day. I knew the Lord was speaking to me. The Lord said, you think you're here just to do their gutters? And I was like, wow, Lord, thank you for reminding me that. And I actually had a really amazing time that day. I was running. I was sweating to try to get done the actual work that I went there to do because there was so much ministry happening that day. But imagine I just said, I've got stuff to do. I've got a paycheck. I've got to get home to my family. And I don't have time for this. And uh, maybe I'll share some more to that story in the future. That's just a little glimpse. But I took the time, which I did not have in the natural, and I let the Lord have it. And it, all I can say is it's just supernatural. I think that, that the seeds that were planted in this person's life are going to be eternal and, and, and just bigger is bigger. The Lord's already starting to establish something bigger than I understand. And it's just amazing. But we need to know that our times are in His hands, and you can't get so worried about what you're doing on your day-to-day. I, I, I say this often, and I want to remind us of this, that this is an ant farm. And that's what this place is, okay? I mean, not, he, he, Jesus commends the ant, okay? So be diligent. I'm not saying don't be an ant. I mean, do what he's asked you to do. But just remember that you just go about your business each day. Just be, make sure that every day you're diligent. Make sure every single day that you are loving the people around you. Make sure every day that you are letting the light of God shine, right? The glory of Jesus shine from your life. Beyond that, you don't have any goals. Stop trying to make goals and plans. You don't understand. You have no idea what God's up to. I'm not saying that you, you can't start, try to plan and, and make some general plans, but I mean, he cautions, uh, cautions us, uh, I mean, of that even New Testament. is like, don't even plan what you're going to do next year because you don't know where your life's going to be. So it's fine to talk about it and to make some plans, but you have to go by the old joke, right? Man makes plans and God laughs. So make, you know, make the plans, but don't really plan. Don't have it be set in stone that God can't move you. We need to be so much more movable. We need to be a place where he's like, now's the time to speak. Now's the time to be quiet. Now's the time to go. Now's the time to stop. We need to be in that place where he says, now's the day. Go in. You'd be looking inside going, I don't know why today it looks exactly like it did yesterday. Not knowing that once he closed the door, the waters broke and the flood began. And then you're going to look outside and go, it looks fine to me now. Why can't I just go now? So what? My feet are a little wet. But he had a moment. There was a time. And it took time. And, and, and I, so I don't, I don't want to add to it. I don't want to add any more to it. I just want to let the Holy Spirit just sink that in. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you have a way. And you have a plan. And you have a purpose, Lord God. And it is isn't exactly your timing. We thank you, Lord. I love that phrase that you're right on time all the time thank you Jesus it is so true they were waiting Lord they got so confused because Jesus you were standing there and they weren't expecting you like you told them they should be just as you told us that we should be expecting you today Lord but you said that you're going to come when they say he's not coming anymore And so, Lord, we must be focused, we must be alert, we must look to you. Your time is right when you said it's time. And I just pray, Lord, that we would be willing to push our timelines aside, push our plans and purposes aside, Lord, at any given moment, Lord, and do what you've asked us to do. And I thank you, Lord, for the strength and the endurance and Lord, every single need is met for this whole church, Lord God, that while we're serving you, Lord, you're taking care of us, just like you promised, that well, we're doing, Lord, what you've asked us to do, Lord, supernaturally, it's just coming, and you're taking care of us and protecting us and watching over us and giving us, Lord, things we didn't even end up asking for. Lord, you just do it because you're good, because we're about the Father's business, and you love your children. So I just thank you, Lord. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, seal this word into our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.